Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every other week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 35, where I chat with bestselling author Adam Silvera. So I'm really excited for this episode. This is Adam's first fantasy book. Uh, I think it's his fifth book total. And so I was excited I could finally have him on the podcast. He is such a cool dude. I've had the chance to meet him over the years, and he's really lovely. And so to sit down and actually spend some time digging into his fantasy book was really fun. So some of the things I really like about this episode is that he talks about the story arc of this book and how he was obsessed with fantasy, how he really got into wanting to write this kind of stuff and how this book has kind of been a heart book for him because he's had it in, in one shape or another in the, for the past 10 years. And so the fact that it's his fifth book was really interesting and significant for him. And, you know, we dig into a lot of really cool topics in this episode. We talk about, um, you know, the evolution of the story to get it to its final place. And, you know, we just dig into why he put the plot points in the way he did wondering what it's like to have powers like in our world he even said like uh what would it be like getting on a plane if i had powers and i was like i never actually thought about that before so you know and just what it's like to incorporate magic into a realistic world uh he talks about how creating his characters was really fun because he has four different points of view in this book and he has two brothers who have pretty much opposite personalities and were in their heads in different chapters so it's really fun to kind of hear how he created those um, dynamics. And, you know, one of my favorite things hearing about this was his plot development, because this is the first time he's really had to dig into a magic system and he's had to have a bigger plot because it's a multi-book series and um, the choices he made and why he wrote the book the way he did, why he he kind of streamlined it. Um, you know, it's not your typical fantasy in that it's less of an info dump and there's more like a chapter here or paragraph there. Um, bits and pieces and so he kind of goes into depth about why he wrote the book that way which I thought was really cool because you know if you like reading fantasy and you read his book it does have that different kind of slightly different fantasy feel to it it's not as heavy and so hearing him talk about that was really cool um, he has lots of Harry Potter references like I think there's seriously legitimately five or six which is brilliant um, we could you know talk about Harry Potter all day but he references J.K. Rowling's books quite a bit which is really fun and it also helps because I think I said at one point like Harry Potter is so integral into the world anymore that it makes sense to be like oh I can relate to that I can understand it on that level which is really cool so yeah it, it was a really this is a really fun interview it's fun just hearing how he digs into the world and like I said he's just such a delight to talk to um, I will say if you have not read this book there is a mild spoiler reveal a little past halfway through the book. It's not like something we go and then spoiler. It's something that we sort of talk around. And now when I was listening back to edit, I was like, uh, that information that we just shared was kind of a reveal in the middle of the book. I would hate for someone to get totally spoiled. So, um, you know, maybe listen halfway through or maybe read the book first. It's, it's subtle and you might not even pick up on it, but I just wanted to mention it because when I was editing, I... I noticed it in what I was saying and what he was saying. And so I was like, okay, well, that was technically a reveal in the book. So I am mentioning it just in case. But 
please, if you are a fan of Adam's books and you want to understand his writing process, especially this book, if you've read this book, if you love this book, or even if you didn't love this book, I actually think listening to this episode might help you understand why he did what he did with the story. So it might help you get a little more insight into the into the book. So uh, yeah, it's a really great episode. Um, and we kind of wrap up our conversation with a great chat about mental health. He's been very vocal over the years about mental health. And, you know, I asked him what it was like to balance this new series against his general mental health struggles and how he balances his work and life. And he was really honest and candid about the struggles and what he is currently dealing with with the new series and how he's moving forward with it. And it was really lovely. Um, and it was really interesting to hear you know some insight into that too so yeah this is a great episode and like i said if you're an adam silveris fan and you haven't read this book and you don't have any intentions it's still really fun to hear because he just is great and he does talk a lot about character development and writing in general um yeah so it's a really really great episode uh on my end it is the new year i am starting it off with a bang i feel like everybody feels refreshed on the new year, uh, we've got, you know, resolutions and goals and um, something I've wanted to do for a few years that I'm finally bringing into this world that I'm really excited about is I'm making an adult coloring book. Um, if you don't know about me, I'm, I'm a full-time photographer. I've done fantasy photography for a long while. Then I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could turn these into a coloring book? And then on Bookstagram, I've been following so many amazing artists who do so much cool fan art. I've seen a lot of, of course, like Sarah J. Moss's series. They're kind of like the uh, Lee Bardugo stuff. I've seen some Shadowhunter stuff. Like these are the series that people really latch onto and for good reason. But there are so many beautiful visual interpretations. So I basically made a big spreadsheet and I reached out to a handful of um, these illustrators and you know, I'm slowly accumulating a variety of people and we're going to get between one and four from each of them. And I'm going to put it into a nice little coloring book. And I'm really excited about it because I get to help support some artists and I get to celebrate the variations in art and interpretation in art. So yeah, I've got that coming. So that'll be coming later this year once all the bits and pieces come together. So yeah, my resolutions are just, you know, to keep leaning forward and also to be more vulnerable. I, um, I think so often we forget to connect in that way that's a deeper way and being vulnerable and um you know whether that's sharing personal things or showing our face online if you're feeling self-conscious you don't like posting your photo or just being honest and real about what's happening in your life and um i think vulnerability is kind of where it's at and i think that's something that we all can strive to be a little bit better at and just being real being open and so that's also on the list so i would love to hear what you guys are working on um please feel free to comment or message me uh i would love to hear what your goals are if you have like reading goals or writing goals or general art and creativity goals for the year uh you know what you want to do what you want to see by the end of the year so um yeah just hit me up let me know also, I always like to kind of think about what I've been reading lately, and I'm doing a reread of The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare. I have not read the that trilogy in a very long time, and actually, I will tell you the truth, I never finished it. So I'm rereading all of those because of the new book of hers that's coming out in March, and I just, I'm doing them on audio too, which is super awesome, and it's been really fun to revisit that world and um, these characters that are just so awesome. So that's been a really fun read. I also, um, for our book club, we picked a graphic novel this month, and it is one that most of you, I'm guessing, might have read, and if you haven't read it, you might want to check it out. 
It's called Mouse, and it's spelled M-A-U-S, and it was written in the 70s. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner, and it's basically a guy whose dad lived through World War II as a Jew in Poland and went to Auschwitz. And the the son who interviews his dad and who is the creator of this book is an illustrator, and so he portrays his father's story through comics, and it it is beautifully done. It's very matter-of-fact. It's brutal, but it's beautiful, and it's very it's a surprisingly – in like. I don't want to say an enjoyable read, but I'm not, I'm like, I found it, my, it was a page turner. Like I'm captivated by this story and the, their personal dynamics. So um, I've really been enjoying reading that. I've never read it and I'm really glad that it was on our book club lists this year. So yeah. So uh, for the new year, I just, you know, keep your eyes peeled, but you're going to have, uh, I have episodes booked pretty much through May right now. And I'm very excited about every guest I have coming up. It's, uh, there's some that are still being locked down, but oh my gosh, you guys, it's a big, it's going to be a big year. And I, you know, I'm working towards some really cool sponsorships. I would love to get some really fun book themed products and uh, affiliated companies on the podcast instead of just general ads. Um, and so I'm looking to really broaden and, you know, do some ads on the podcast and we have a great following. Um, you have great numbers. So if you know of someone or if you are someone who listens and you have something really cool and you maybe want to check out some sponsorship and see if you can get an ad on the podcast, please feel free to message me, email me. Um, you know, that's something really cool because I just want to keep growing the book community and, you know, helping on my end to bring attention to so many of the cool, uh, amazing bookish things that are out there, um, whether that's products or online stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of options. So. Oh, one more thing before we go on. Um, my sound quality right now is great. And I thought it was that way for the podcast. And I have the same setup, but somehow it was recording through the computer in a different way or saving in a different place or something was going on. And so my voice is super digital and almost has uh, like a hollow tinny sound. And then Adam's is a little echoey because he didn't have headphones. So our audio is not the best. And I do apologize for that. I did do some editing. So it was definitely a lot worse than this, believe it or not. But um, yeah, especially hearing this intro and then going to that, it is a little bit jarring. And I, I really apologize for that. I'm going to hopefully be able to figure out what the what the disconnect was there between the, uh, now and the next recording. So, okay, now, now that I've given you a sound warning for the, the crappy audio, um, now on to Adam's episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I have been waiting for you to write a fantasy forever because this is a fantasy and sci-fi podcast. And even though you have, um, you know, kind of futuristic-y elements in your other books, they're basically contemporary YAs. And so this is like proper fantasy, Phoenix, magic, awesome stuff that happens. And I like had to have you on the podcast. So I'm so excited that you're able to chat with me today. Yeah, thank you so much, seriously. And I feel like I've been waiting for me to write a fantasy book for the longest, too. Like, I mean, I grew up writing fantasy fan fiction, and I am super excited to enter this, like, this new territory of publishing where I get to be on fantasy and sci-fi podcasts and panels and get to talk about world building and magical powers and phoenixes. So um, I'm super stoked. So um, I have an advanced copy of the book. I'm assuming this will be in the regular one too, the like little letter to readers about the evolution of this book. Um, is that going to be in the regular book too? 
No, it's not. That's sort of that was exclusive for the um, early copies. Okay. So. Well, for those of you listening who haven't got the advanced copy, he has a little one-page letter to the people in the book, talking about kind of where the story came to life. So since people all, all people won't be able to read that, why don't we kind of? I wanted to dig into it anyways, but why don't you kind of yeah. talk about? So we're talking about Infinity Sun. We didn't say the name yet. It is out on January fourteenth, twenty twenty, and. Um, I guess before we dig into the creation, what is kind of your elevator pitch for Infinity Sun? Um, so Infinity Sun takes place in an alternate New York where people have magical powers. Um, not all people, but um, and it sort of explores what happens when one brother gets powers and the other one doesn't. And that's sort of like the super short pitch and sort of like the tensions between brotherhood that emerge when one brother is sort of primed to become the hero and the other is kind of like forced to play the role of his psychic, even though he wants that sort of heroic glory himself. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, dynamic to read. I and I'm, I definitely want to dig into that in a minute, but um, I kind of want to touch on what we just said. Like in that letter, you talk about being a lover of fantasy and like not feeling like any characters connected with you because of being gay and not finding a lot of like gay protagonists in fantasy, which is still pretty new, honestly. And then, you know, Cassie Clare blowing your mind. And then, you know, the evolution of this story kind of becoming what it is today. So take, take us through kind of that creation. I, I jokingly was like out of the ashes, like, ha ha. Right. You know? <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I had to do it. <laughs> I love that you did. That's so dumb. (laughs) No, it's been such a journey because, you know, I grew up reading Harry Potter, um, very original. I grew up watching Charmed and Supernatural and Angel um, and and later Buffy and um, a big X-Men fan. But, you know, like there wasn't a ton of queer representation um, within those stories. Of course, we got Willow and, and... um, and Buffy, but, yeah. um, and, but again, like that came to me, I probably watched Buffy in my early twenties. Like I was very late to that. Yeah. Um, so I like formative teen years or whatever. I wasn't seeing queer characters and stories to the point where like, when I set out to write this book, a very, very different version of this book, when I was 18 years old, the main character was straight, like, and, um, I believe his name was, it was, it was still, it was Aaron. Um, which is the name of the protagonist for my first novel, More Happy Than Not, because mm-hmm. um, that's how long that name had been with me. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, he was dating some woman whose name I believe was Evangeline, which uh, or no, it was Genevieve, which also got used in More Happy Than Not. Um, and and yeah, so it's just like, but I thought I was like supposed to write a heterosexual couple because I just hadn't seen it. And then when I was 19 years old and working in the cafe at Barnes and Noble, I finally started uh, taking my friend's recommendation and started reading city of bones um, by Cassandra Clare. And I was so struck when um, I met Alec and I got kind of like a gay vibe from him. And it's so interesting and I can't put my finger on it. But when it was revealed on the page that I wasn't just projecting and that he was actually gay and that Magnus Bane, the warlock was bisexual. It was so exciting for me. And I truly, I'm such a slow reader and I read Three of those big fantasy books, which probably are like what, four hundred pages each. Oh yeah, not- they're they're beefy, yeah. Yeah, and I went through all of them within a week, and it's like I love the plot and everything, but I was so in love with seeing queer characters on the page, and you know, Cassandra Clare is not the first author to write queer characters on the page, but it was the first time I was introduced to them, um, so that was really 
foundational for me and I'm still so appreciative of meeting those characters. So your book kind of has evolved over the years and now has become what it is. And you, you know, you, this is your fifth book. Um, but <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? I was, I actually did the math. I was like fifth, five books. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. and like I said earlier, you, you know, they're basically considered like, I would say contemporary. They're mainly focusing on character development but because you're going in the fantasy route. You have to deal with, you know, world building, you have to deal with magic systems, you have to deal with fantastical elements that just aren't there in our world as we know them. Unfortunately, we wish they were. I know we all do, but they're not. And, you know, I, I would love to hear, you know, especially because you started it so young, and now you're doing it, and it's your fifth book, and it's like this arc over your whole writing life. Like what that was like, kind of being able to dig into these elements that are kind of something you weren't able to really explore in publishing yet. Yeah, and it's funny because I just reread More Happy Than Not um, and for the first time in five years, mm. and it's which was a completely interesting experience and a whole other conversation. But like <laughs> I could just tell within that book how badly I wanted to be writing fantasy because within that novel, um, I created an alternate Harry Potter called Scorpius Hawthorne, and he's the demonic boy wizard. And you could just see that whenever I mention those fictional books within more happy than not that I had, I was getting carried away with details. Um, and I was like, just so badly wanting to be writing magical plots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so kind of still, um, a, a moment of just like, wow, for me that I published four books before this that weren't fantasy because I grew up writing fantasy. I didn't grow up writing like high school issues in contemporary spaces. Like I was always writing magical battles and, um, and the humanity that sort of like, uh, bridges within all those sort of, um, situations. And, um, but yeah, but now actually being able to sort of like lean into it and create all the magical powers and create the limitations for the magical powers and, um, was so thrilling. I like, I am, you know, much like so many of us with such hyper imaginations, I'm constantly looking at the world like, what would this look like if we had powers? Like, what would boarding a plane look like if someone had powers? What would it mean like to play sports if you had powers? Um, all these different things. And not all these details make their way into the book, of course, but like they've been so key for me to figure out um, how magic is sort of like laid out in this space. And um, I'm really just having so much fun like I, I love this world so much literally if like no one reads this series like I'm writing it because um, it feels so much like a testament for you know teen Adam who wanted to see like a queer hero at the helm like not just like a secondary character yeah. and know how prominent the secondary characters are um, but like the actual lead the infinity sign you know yeah. and that's been really really sort of um beautiful and and especially fun for me and even you know like you were just saying having a queer main character like it's it's in the story but it's not an issue in the story it's not like being gay is brought up as a thing it's just like yeah i was this way and this is what i am and, and that's kind of it and you just sort of like move on and see him in relationships it's touched on but it's not like you know because sometimes over the years as things have been brought to light and these issues have been tried to be tackled it's you know obviously you know coming out and all of those different challenges that come with that um you don't really you know our main character Emil doesn't really have to deal with that in regards to his um 
family and the close people around him. Yeah, his family's cool. Like uh, um, the main character, Emil, he, you know, for you know those listening, um, he's, you know, he's our infinity son. He's the kind of so-called dub chosen one or whatever. And, um, and, you know, but magic I do find, and I know many more articulate authors have spoken to this, you know, magic is, can be like very metaphorical. And um, so while I'm not necessarily writing about a, um, really sort of like struggling queer experience, like Emil does have to, when he comes into powers, he does have to decide how he's going to come out with them, you know, cause he doesn't, yeah. you know, he, he recognizes that having powers in this world, um, will lead to oppression. And, um, you know, I do think that the powers in this world sort of do rep- represent a wide net of marginalized communities. Like there are going to be so many, um, readers who sort of have shared backgrounds who are going to recognize like, oh yeah, I know what it feels like to, um, be oppressed in this way. And Emil speaks to that. There's a passage where he talks about how coming out for him, you know, proved to be easy ultimately. Um, but how coming out as like a magical person, especially with the connections that he has within the story's context, uh, is far more scary for him. And, um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's on the page, but like, I wasn't setting out to focus on like, okay, let me do like a, a queer coming out story and a hero coming out story. Like, I mean, I believe, um, hero by Perry Moore. I haven't actually read the book, but I believe that that book, um, does that very thing. Um, but I just want to sort of show like, okay, cool. We can be queer and have the same quests and journeys and love stories as like all the heterosexual characters without necessarily focusing a magnifying glass like on the queerness yeah i mean and obviously this is a a thing that isn't relevant to you and what you write and it's but i just loved how it was presented in a story like you said it was just part of who he is and then (laughs) but he's still the challenge isn't i mean you know, to some degree, I feel like in, in all areas of life, some people are always encountering or people are always encountering ways of being challenged or having to talk about things that are scary to them or whatever. So you're right. It's definitely relatable. And it's really interesting, too, because how you create these characters. So you have like four, I think it's four different voices that we are. In yes. This. Narrators. Um, yeah. Yep. Four different narrator points of view. But the two main ones are the are the twin brothers. Um, yes. Good names, by the way. Brighton and his name is Brighton. I was like, what a cool name, like the brother yeah. and his brother. Right. But like they are so interesting because Brighton's passion and is, is he's like a YouTuber and he's like a like a, a journalist in his mind about like trying to help, you know, reveal and um, change the views on the people with the magical abilities. And so like, that's his like focus in life. And so as he gets tied more into this, um, it's interesting to see it because there's that element of, well, I can actually make it known to the world. It's not just like coming out, like actually coming out to everybody. Like it will be on the internet and like things are talking about and do we actually address these issues or, okay, that didn't go how I thought. Do I talk about it in my next video or do we ignore it move on like it was just it was very relatable to the times as well I was like oh my gosh this is so relevant um but yeah it was it was really it's enjoyable to read and see how they kind of bounce off of each other with that thank you yeah I mean I I really love writing about social media especially because it just continues to evolve like I noticed like when I was rereading more happy than not that I don't talk a lot about Twitter or Instagram I don't think I even name any of them. I also wrote that book, you know, like seven years ago at this point. So it just, I, I'm not 
it wasn't as big in my life just then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, and you know, Infinity Sun takes place in the year 2020 and it takes place in modern day New York and you know, how well all the gadget and tech talk and social media stuff will age is a problem for like years to come. Of course. But, I, but I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm capturing what I, this magical moment looks like in the year 2020. And like, that's, that's just it. But I have had so much fun sort of creating Brighton as like the, humans of new york i love it so much yes um and i I love humans of new york and i'm like okay that's one of the things i was asking myself like what does humans of new york look like in a magical world and it's like okay brighton is going to focus on the magical people who are known as celestials and you know he will kind of like capture their stories because it's his way of having a closeness to this life experience that he so desperately wants for himself. He so desperately wants to be the hero. He so desperately wants to have the magical powers. Like this was not sort of a cute idea that he had when he was 12. Like he is still so enthralled by this community and this world. Whereas Emil in contrast is recognizes that being a celestial is not ideal right now because uh, they're so constantly under, um, scrutinization and just prejudice against and like Emil doesn't want that for himself he's like look I'm already like gay like this is like it's not always like the easiest like um ship sailing but you know it's not as bad as the celestials have it right now and um so I thought that was like really interesting to explore where you know Emil used to be that kid he used to be just like me who oh my god I wanted magical power so badly I was constantly making potions out of (laughs) random juices and milks and whatever was in the fridge and you know cracking spaghetti um and putting it in there and mixing it all up and throwing rocks in there like my the fact that my mom kept these in the house is like toxic (laughs) it's insane um but like that was me but now growing up i'm like oh man i don't think i would actually want that attention on myself so i when i when writing a meal i really thought like okay if i had magical powers how would I feel about them? And then like, I would not feel bold and running into the streets. I would yeah. be scared for my life. Yes. And, you know, so that's where the, um, the contrast has been so fun to play with. Cause like Emil has the powers, but doesn't want to have them. And Brighton doesn't have the powers and he desperately wants oh, them. And it's, it is such a fun dynamic to read because literally opposite as emotionally as possible with that. And it was just like, I mean, like, Oh my gosh, I seriously, I meant to tell you this before we start recording, but I'll tell you it now because it's funny. I I think there was a about I was like maybe halfway through the book, and like every time you read Brighton's chapters, he is just so obsessive about this whole like he means well in some ways, but it's like almost like his logic is overrun by this desire to prove himself, to be important, to be seen, to be included in this thing that he is passionate about, and like I don't know, there was like I I was like feeling tension for an upcoming possibility and I was just like nope this is not gonna go good I was like talking out loud to the book being like yeah. nope oh no nope, this isn't good I had like got up to have lunch and put the book down and like was like okay nope because <laughs> like, I knew something bad in a sense like choices were gonna be made that were gonna and I didn't know how but I just knew with how you created them to be in their dynamic it was it was gonna be it's it's so funny you say that because I'm over here smiling oh my like, gosh seriously the- right now I was uh, like I gotta tell Adam this because yeah I, I I you know you know how sometimes when you're watching movies you're just like oh hell no or whatever you just get involved and that was me when I went to put the book down I was like this is not no this is not gonna go good and I was just like nah, yeah. not okay 
you know, like my books are known for like my earlier works are especially known for being like heartbreakers. And, yeah. you know, there are definitely some heartbreaking moments within this book as well. Yeah. But I, I tell everyone, I'm like, this book is stressful above all. Like, that's how mm-hmm. I would like describe what I imagine a lot of people's reading experience is going to be. It's just so stressful because like whether you see stuff coming or whether you don't see it coming at all, and you're completely surprised by it. Like the choices that characters are making are so stressful. Yes. And you know, it's like not, it's going to be a while before things get good. Or and again, like how you set it up, because like, that's what I'm saying. I didn't know what was going to happen between Brighton and Emil, but I knew (laughs) I was just like, the way he's writing these dudes, like, oh my God, this this is not, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy. (laughs) So yeah. And it's been, um, it's been very interesting, especially, um, the, the, as you go on, you have quite a few, like, zingy surprises that I was like that kind of came out of right left field whatever field to me I was like oh the way I don't want to I'm like trying not to spoil because I don't I want people to be able to enjoy this conversation without like getting the rush that I'm saying but there's a few that I was like okay I did not see that coming and that was really fun too because it how things presented themselves and it would like I kind of had to shift the mental reading experience on its axis a little bit being like I thought I knew where this was going and now okay now it might be like this and that was a really enjoyable and obviously their dynamic had a lot to do with it Uh, I'm so happy to hear that like (laughs) I put so much thought into those twists it's funny someone sent me a review months ago that was like too much happens in this book it feels like an entire season of like a CW show (laughs) and I'm like why are you mad that like story is happening yeah how many times I, I look, I read a lot and like I've I've read a lot of like YA trilogies as well where I'm like this sometimes I'm like this could have been one bigger book, you know, yeah. like this didn't have to be three books. And there are so many times I read a book where I'm like, we didn't need this. Like this actually didn't add enough for me to justify like this taking up the space of an entire book and like, you know, reading subjective and what I don't like someone else is absolutely in love with of or course, they're able yeah. to connect with. But still, I'm like, I, I try to look at stuff where I'm like, I want to put a lot of story into it um, because I don't want to just keep dragging stuff out. And I find too that I love the challenge of especially continuing the series where it's like, okay, well, how do I make this bigger? How do I make this bigger? You know, like I like to think that, you know, Amy Kaufman, um, she was telling me too, she's like, look, when you're writing the next book, don't try to like save all your big ideas for the last one. She's like, you will come up with new ideas. And I love that advice. So, and I, I'm so happy that I like trusted that instinct as well. And, you know, <laughs> Courtney Stevens is another author who I was like describing the ending to this book to her at one point. And I was like, uh, no spoilers, obviously, but um, she was, I was like, I have this idea. I maybe want to do this at some point. She's like, just go for it right now. Go big right now. And I ended the book on a way bigger note than I originally anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that she told me to go for it. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're a big fan of Amy and this, she's like the guest that I've had on the most. I think I've had her on like three or four times now. Um, so she always got good things to say. So I love that, you know, I, and I just love that you guys are like a lot of your friends with each other, which is really cool. Um, it's really interesting to uh, hearing different authors talk about their creation experience or writing experience, because like, like you said, there's a lot that happens in this book, but you wrote it very streamlined, like a sentence here. And then like, a couple chapters later, another sentence said by another character that kind of verifies what you thought the other sentence meant. And you go, okay, and moving on. And that's how you get the knowledge. It's not like info dump. It's not a, like a tome. I mean, there's a lot, but it's, it could have been like a 700 page book. You know what I mean? Um, And it was, and I love that you 
wrote that almost like consciously or you're recognizing that that's how the story you were just like no i want to put a lot in and we're going to just streamline it and get it out and get the you know get the story the plot going because there's i mean there's just so much happening in this book yeah and it's interesting too because you know i was sort of at I'm not, you know, I, I'm so proud of this book. I mean, this book is, I mean, just so many years in the making. Um, but also like I did find myself, I found myself on a publishing schedule and I kept missing deadlines because I kept rewriting the book and such like that. And I was constantly at war with myself. Like how long do I want this book to be? And I was like taking into account things that like, I'm not always sure serve the greater story, you know, like, and, um, like the book is short. I mean, it's like in terms of fantasy, like it's, 6,000 words, it's 353 pages, but like, you know, uh, to give you some perspective, a book like Red Queen is like 110,000 words, like, uh, and Ember in the Ashes is like maybe 114,000 mm-hmm. words, and um, Prisoner of Azkaban is like <laughs> 90,000 words, yeah. but like, I, you know, but then you have books like Legend, and by Marie Lu, and Shadow Me by Tahara Mafi that are like, you know, 76,000 words, and I'm like, you know what? those books were so readable for me. And then you get the satisfaction of, I finished the book and like, okay, cool. Like, um, now I'm ready for the next one. Whereas sometimes if a book is like overly long, which is not the case for any of the books that I listed, like I love Red Queen. I love Emma. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. But, they, but are, their length serves a purpose for those stories too. A hundred percent. And, but there are some books where I'm like, Oh, this was so long and I couldn't finish it. And now I'm not excited for the sequel because I couldn't even finish the first one. The first one felt like such a chore for me that, you know, I'm such, I was such a reluctant reader as a kid. I'm still such a slow reader today. I wanted the experience to feel like you're, you're, you're gliding by with the characters. Like it's moving at this breakneck pace. And, um, and yeah, so I'm like, I also, but, but in doing so, I chose to not linger with too many world building details. I think sometimes um, the reader can get lost in all that. And I just wanted to only sort of prevent what was necessary to the story. So interesting that this is like your first big world building book, but yet you've streamlined it in and of itself too and how you chose to write it. So it's just really interesting how you created the book. I I love it too, because like I was saying earlier, like you give enough that we know what's happening and it like, okay, this makes sense and I can move on. But there's so much more backstory that it gives you room also to like, like, for example, um, there are some like previously previous generational characters that are relevant to these current characters. And we get bits and pieces of their story that are make it, you know, that is relevant to now, but like I would, wouldn't mind reading their stories. That could be a, a short story that comes out. Something. There's so much room for you to play in this world now because of what you have told versus what you have it and how much more there is to explore too. So that's kind of cool that you can also say like, you know, maybe fans overwhelmingly will want to know about X's origin right. story or whatever. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I, they're, they're definitely um, a core group of this sort of like, generation before uh the characters that are mentioned they they play a big part in the sequel and we do get to learn more about mm-hmm. them and it's really exciting but it also wasn't necessary for us to have all those details in infinity yeah. sun you know like, it was through the guidance of my editor andrew eliopoulos at harper collins who you know when he was reading early drafts of this he was like why is this detail necessary why is this detail necessary like all things that sure add to like a bigger picture of the world but weren't super important to the story at hand and you know what he was like 
if you're introducing a new detail right now, the reader is going to store it away, expecting it to come full circle at some point in this book. You know, it's sort of like, but if it doesn't, then it's like, why are we learning about it right now? Yes. And we use Potter as a big example. Like we learn about Sirius Black and Sorcerer's Stone. We, we, when Hagrid comes in on his motorcycle, that is the only time we hear about Sirius Black until Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't think there's any mention of him at all in Chamber of Secrets. And it's because we didn't need to know that entire backstory for Sorcerer's Stone. We're already just, we're meeting Harry and this world in Hogwarts for the first time that we didn't need to be burdened with like all this Sirius Black history. We didn't need to know what Azkaban was just yet. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've sort of approached, uh, world building where I'm like, okay, do you need this piece of the puzzle right now? Or is it a piece that's better introduced to you in a later installment? Wow. That's going to be, that's going to make, I'm a big rereader. So that'll be really fun as someone who enjoys the story. Like once they're out and I know the whole story and then like I wait a year or two and then go back and reread them to like see the book, knowing what I know and how it like fits in. That's really fun. Um, and I love that you did it that way because you're right. There are definitely parts that, Again, I didn't necessarily feel they were lacking, but I would I wouldn't mind if I knew more. And so knowing like like I said like the the like the previous generational ones like that's cool that we might find out more in book two. Awesome, I'm excited about that. But thank you. Yeah, and it's funny because like I definitely there are one liners in Infinity Sun that are instrumental oh for the rest of the series, and you won't know until <laughs> my favorite stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, this is what I loved about. Oh my god. The whole thing with Horcruxes and Harry Potter, like, oh, I mean, I, yep. like that was there all along and it was in our, it, you know, and whether we knew it or not, and I especially love, like, there's a throwaway line in Half-Blood Prince where Harry's in the room of requirement and he mentions seeing the, the crown and which we then later learn is. Yeah, the, it was the, the, diadem. the diadem. And he's like, yeah, this stupid mannequin with a wig and a tiara on its head. Yeah, I yeah, remember too. And you're just like. Yeah, describes it. And it's sort of like, that was there and it was it's such a, and it's uh -huh. very paragraph and it's such a throwaway thing that it's like Cheaper, this like, is going to be later. <laughs> yeah um, so yeah i have a lot of moments like that and some will be revealed oh, in book so cool. two and some later but yeah it's really exciting have you ever read the dresden files by jim butcher i have you know i feel like i tried um when i was like 20 um and i haven't since then what should i give another i mean or? if you like urban fantasy they're great they're especially if you do audiobooks because james marsters spike from buffy narrates them He's incredible fucking brilliant in the voices it's amazing but he's a, he's like a master plotter like there are stuff like that like things that are like kind of come up in the first couple books and then all of a sudden like later on you're like remember that thing we talked about actually it's relevant here it's just like i really remember experiencing that anew like harry potter obviously very relevant and i agree 100 percent. but like that's another series that i was like oh that's so cool how he did that so um yeah i just i i think that's awesome and that is a really fun way to um, momentum with helping readers move forward to like wanting to know more because God, I mean, hearing this guys, for those of you listening who want to write a book, how, how's that? What's your appetite? It sounds like a lot of fucking work. Like, yeah. It, it, oh it is my God. It's also, it's just so fun. I keep coming back to that. You know, it's like, it's really hard work, but it's so fun and I, I love it and I hate it and it's all normal, you know, but yeah. like, uh, like I actually love right now, like writing the sequel, I'm like, okay, I wish I'd done this differently in book one. And I did a lot of prep work, you know? Um, but you and, don't know until you're in the trenches. And you don't know until you're in the trenches. And that's great. And then you have the challenge of like, how do I make this work now in a way that doesn't contradict what has now been established? And, and I'm very, very careful about that. Like I don't want to 
you know, all of a sudden go back on a rule that I established in book one without incredible reason, you know, and it's like, no, maybe you can't break that rule, but find the loophole, you know, and, and make the, and then make sure that that loophole makes sense with the greater picture of the story you're trying to tell here. Cause it's like, it's just going to get more and more magical as I progress. And, um, and the, you know, so that magic system is going to keep growing and I have to keep track of like all the threads. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. This is very cool. I'm enjoying hearing you talking about like how you are dissecting your own stories and like how you almost like cornered yourself and going, well, crap, now I have to do this. How do I fix it? Or how do I write myself out of this thing that I didn't realize was a block, but now that yeah, I'm in it I'm, is. I'm cornered, but now how do I climb the wall to get out of here? Yeah. You know? So that's, a, that's absolutely what it is. So um, to touch on the magic system a little bit, it's really interesting how you have the dynamics of the magic system. You have people who are born with abilities, and then you have people who steal them from magical creatures. And the people yeah. who have the stealing power, those powers aren't really manifested in the people who are naturally born with it. And so like... Um, it's interesting how you chose to distribute, you know, a lot of it's elemental magic, but then you have like, I love that you have a, a scene where they're talking about all these various uh, celestials who are the people who are born with magic and like Emil's meeting people and he's like, oh, this guy can speak all the languages, which by the way, if I had a superpower other than flying, that would be the one I would want because that would be so rad to go anywhere and be able to be fluent. I think that would be so cool. Yeah. So, and like, just like, oh, and this girl, you know, has anger issues and can't control her powers and she's really, really strong or whatever. Like it just how you got to like bring all these crazy powers in, like what made you divvy up the magic system like that? Like basically what was the kind of ideas for the magic system? So it's really funny because, um, so yeah, the world is divided. Um, well, the magical world is divided between celestials who are those who are born with powers and specters who steal them from who get their powers by, blood alchemy from uh magical creatures such as phoenixes and hydras and basilisk and you know i originally was writing the book on just specters alone the the novel was originally called the specters and um a very different version of it from like 2016 <laughs> where there weren't celestials yet and it's funny because celestials were the group of magical people that i had when i first write, tried writing this book at 18. um so the world's just they they collided at some point in like 2017 where you know i was like struggling with some of the limitations that i was finding through the magical creatures and then i was like well what if i just had natural born people with powers as well and and that completely opened the world up for me again and that's when like my big phoenix book and my big celestial book just like collided into one um and they fit so perfectly with each other i can't believe it hadn't happened sooner but you know i did want to make sure that like you know powers that pretty much like specters have are um, reserved for them but there are exceptions you know like uh, there's phoenix fire and then there are also celestials who can cast fire themselves but you know maybe the um the strengths and weaknesses for them vary um and and yeah so i've just sort of was like basically if i have a cool idea for a power um <laughs> i get to use it with a celestial but if i have a cool advancement also for like a magical creature i get to use that as well because it's not just like there's a single breed of phoenixes there's mm, gray sun phoenixes yeah phoenixes. i get to like there's elder phoenixes century phoenixes you know and they all have different sort of um properties and different lifespans that they live different um, acceleration rates in which they are reborn and um, and then hydras as well like some can sort of like run really fast some regenerate their heads sooner um, you know so I get to really I, I if I 
can make sense of it with the creature, then I can make sense of it for the specter to have the power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just have to be very thoughtful about it. And, uh, and really by doing that, my opportunities are kind of infinite, if you will, in terms of sort of um, what powers I'm allowing anyone yeah. to have. But I am making sure that, like, right now, there's no one who can, like, bring someone back from the dead. And, uh, you know, I don't want it to get, like, too crazy. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I might cast that power um, at some point in a later installment. <laughs> that could almost be, like, like a Bardugo original trilogy versus duology. Like, in the duology, all of a sudden, this magic thing happens that makes the magic powers go crazy. And, like, you can maybe, like, a whole other trilogy. Like, all of a sudden, people are dead and they're coming back. Like, I don't know. You know, 100%. like... Yeah, and it's like, you know, immortality, you know, all all my books, the contemporaries included, they all deal with death. Like yeah. whether it's suicide, yeah. or it's loss of a loved one, whether it's loss of yourself, um, this is like my um this is my immortality book. This is my rebirth book. Like yeah. this is sort of this completes my like my my installments on on death and like the um and exploring like all the different themes, you know, like now we're talking about bringing people back to life and you know, that is a motive for one of the key villains in the book. Like she wants to figure out immortality and she wants to figure out resurrection because of loss of a loved one and stuff like that. So like, you know, it's definitely, I'm set up for resurrection being mm-hmm. a book, especially with like Phoenixes, um, within the novel. But, um, but yeah, but it's, I don't, it's not going to be an easy thing. It's not gonna be like, Oh, someone can like stand over a grave and poke it. And now the person's back to <laughs> Uh, back to life like oh god it's i'm just laughing because i've read it's just funny how what magic people connect with like i i just to finish my goodreads goal for the year i reread the anita blake series which is there's like 26 books it's a lot of freaking books um and she's a necromancer and that's like yeah okay i raise people for the dead and you know whatever like that's like a no-brainer almost like it's just funny how that you know it's just interesting hearing it but like is that why why Phoenix is for you? Is it because of the death connection and like mortality connection? Or you just freaking love birds on fire? Like, yeah, I think it's a combination of both. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I have a Phoenix tattoo that I've had on my forehead since I was 19. And that was my second tattoo. And it was sort of a promise to myself too. I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book about Phoenixes one day. So let's, let's go for it. And that was like a little stamp uh, to, to commit to it. And I, I did it. Um, but I have always been fascinated by Phoenixes ever since X-Men and Chamber of Secrets when we like get to meet Fox and, um, and just the general mythology of it. Like, I mean, it's like to, I believe in reincarnation and, you know, there are so many times that if I don't have something in this life, I kind of think ahead. I'm like, I hope I have it in another life Mm -hmm. or there's something funny about myself. I'm like, I wonder if I had this in a previous life and, you know, I'm not like religious, but I do, it makes you, know, you think like, oh, why did I do that? Or where did that come from? And like, maybe it brings comfort and, <laughs> and, you know, and so like, I wanted to sort of like, but capture that reincarnation experience that a Phoenix would have, except within like a human boy. And, and, you know, especially when it's like what your past lives have done, you know, like, how do you, you reckon with that? And then, you know, I was struck with this idea years and years ago, because, you know, when someone is like sent to jail or whatever. And then they're like, Oh, we're giving you three life sentences. I'm like, but what does that mean? Like we have one life. And then I started thinking, well, what if like your crimes from a past life followed you into your next, you know, what if like your, um, your consequences followed you into your next and stuff like that? Like, how does that play out for you? Especially if like, you don't have a connection necessarily an intimate connection with that past life. 
Um, so all these questions were coming about too. And then the Phoenixes, and it was all just like one fantastic Phoenix fire explosion. And, um, and yeah, and the, those themes are just going to get deeper and deeper as the story progresses. I feel like I've read or watched something that had like the main character or a character was like suffering for past live crimes and like was like really pissed about it. And I'm like, I can't figure out what it is. Please tell me if you don't I remember. I was just like, if someone listening knows what I'm talking about, I feel like it was yeah. a guy. Instagram me, DM me, let Talk me know. Talk to us, please let one of us know. Cause we're both like, if we know we need to tell the other. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting here going, I feel like I've read that. Or I, I feel like maybe it was TV. I don't know. Or movie. I, I just feel like he was like really pissed and like, this isn't fair that I have to suffer for the crimes of my past life or rah, rah, rah. So how fascinating that is. Like I, I, yeah. And that's sort of a meal because he does have to sort of yeah. carry the weight um, in this intimate group of heroes who understand like, okay, you come from this life and that life. So like, uh, you know, how are you going to show up in this one? And he's just, you know, he's a hero with like major anxiety. Like he's like, he's a Hufflepuff. He's he, not trying to do this oh, thing. He is you so know? Hufflepuff. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I, I mean, through all the narrators all represent a single Hogwarts house. Like, I mean, that wasn't intended, but it's like, they definitely do, you know, like Emil is my Hufflepuff with a little bit of an edge. Brighton is my, um, uh, Slytherin with good intentions. Yes. Uh, Maribel is my vengeful Gryffindor, and Ness is my street smart Ravenclaw. You know, and and I love it like that. And figuring that out early really did help me with like figuring out their voices, especially since the book is in first person yeah. and making sure they all felt distinct and such. So so yeah, that uh, Hogwarts houses. <laughs> I love that Harry Potter is relevant to life forever. Like it's so true. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So you, over the years, this is a little bit of a shift from what we're talking about, but I, I wanted to make sure we had time to talk about it. Um, over the years, you've been pretty vocal about like mental health and work-life balance and like self-care and making sure that you're, you know, taking care of yourself. And, you know, since your books have come out and, you know, you've become really popular and people really love your stories and, you know, there's the demand on your time as a writer to go see your readers and also to work and like keep care of yourself. How has that been like balancing those elements and like, especially going into this new book and like the fantasy elements. So like, are you, is it going to require more because there's like other things to talk about? Like what we talked about today. I know that might not connect totally, but I don't know. I just feel like fantasy fans are a whole other level added in because maybe someone who didn't like contemporary would read yours because it's fantasy. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, writing this series in general, I mean, it feels like being a debut all over again mm -hmm. um, with the complete uh, grateful bonus of like having readers who have trusted me so far with my contemporary novels and who are also some of them are like, hey, I don't read fantasy, but I read yours and I loved it or I'm going to take a chance on it. And maybe it's not for you. And that's OK. And like and I'll meet new readers who have never touched my previous works, which is also really exciting. Um, I think my biggest concern mental health wise, and I've already started facing this a little bit because, um, you know, I get tagged in like the occasional negative review, which we all have. So yeah, like that's just life. Yeah. And it's like, cool. Like, I mean, that's it sucks. But like no one there's no there's no single book that is unanimously loved Absolutely. and and i love that about our industry but it's the first time though that like i have to read reviews where people are like i don't like this character i don't like this world this is the worst fantasy book i've ever written and then i have to go write the next one you know mm -hmm. like anytime someone's hated my book before it's done i'm done with those characters like my attachment for them will always be what it was um, and, but this time it's like, I remember I had a major panic call with my editor where I'm like, I don't know how much I want to do this. Like people aren't liking this book. Um, and it's like, 
And it's the same amount of people that weren't liking my other books before they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's, it's this time I have to continue the journey um, and, and I have to stay in love with these characters. And you know what? I reached a point where I'm like, fuck it. I love my characters. Like, yeah. I love the story. And I have reached a place where, you know, granted, this book has not come out yet and my feelings will evolve and shift. But I hope that I get to remain in this place right now where I'm like, if no one is reading this series, like as long as I get to finish my story, I'm good. Like that's the success for me, you know, getting to tell my complete story and um, with characters that I have loved and have been dreaming about for so many years. Like, um, and you know, I don't think I could have been in this place with this as my actual debut novel, you know, like I think that would have been my second book was already so brutal for me. I was literally suicidal during the writing of it. And, you know, I can I can only imagine if that was impacted by people telling me they hate the characters that I was writing, you know, so it's it's tricky. Well, and I, I didn't even really think about that. But you're right. Like, this is your first series too. like with that needing to keep things going. So that's a whole other not only writing challenge, but like a, on a professional, you know, level with your craft and then like the fantasy. So there's a whole lot of really, it does kind of almost like you said, like a debut, like a, like a different start. And in a sense, this is a, a heart book for you because it's been with you for a decade more. For so sure. yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I just, like you said, there's going to be people who love it. There's going to be people that don't like it. It's just, that's what's fun about writing. And like, I think as long as you, you know, you do the characters so well, and that is, I, I think, a big strength of yours. And I think adding the, the magical elements in with that has been really fun to read. So um, I'm really curious to see how people, you know, jump on the bandwagon. I think it'll be really fun to see. So yeah. Me too. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about what's happening with book two, but is what's kind of in store for our characters next? Anything you can tell us about? Yeah, there's, um, they're going to be a lot of characters who are divided for a bit. Um, and you know, there are two narrators, Maribel and Ness within the book who their perspectives, um, POV chapters aren't as numerous as Emil and Brighton's. Um, because ultimately I do believe this entire arc belongs to the brothers and, yeah. uh, but Maribel and Ness's uh, storylines do become way more prominent. They have just about as many chapters uh, as Emil and Brighton. So the book is going to be bigger as a result as well. Um, because, you know, with Infinity Sun, I had to sort of reduce their POV chapters a little bit as well because I had to withhold some key information. But, you know, now I get so much is already so much is out there now and we get to sort of um, play a little bit more, gotcha. which is great. And we get way more um, attention on different uh, sides of the world as well. This magical world, it it continues to take place in New York, but uh, we get to see different perspectives from it and we get to meet new characters and meet new creatures and different breeds of pieces and, um, and some more stuff that I'm cooking up. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's headed to some dark places and I'm uh, really excited. (laughs) Yeah. I always love the second book in series because people always really have to make shit get real dark because you have to come out of it into the third book. So it's always like, Oh my God, what crazy stuff is going to happen to these poor people? (laughs) Like, You know what I mean? Like it's really fun to see what you guys do. I think the ending, like I love the infinity sun ending. Um, and it's, it's a stress out so many people. Um, I think the sequels ending is even more stressful, uh, which I'm really like when I came up with the idea, um, it was this light bulb moment. It really was like, Oh, 
this is it. And this is how I go <laughs> harder than I originally intended. Um, and it's going to be, it's very like, there's no predicting it at the start of this book, you know, and I'm really proud of that. Hmm. Wow. That's actually a lot to what the appetite. That's awesome. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> yeah. um, 21. <laughs> oh my gosh. So before you go, I always like to ask authors um, what they've been reading lately, if they've read anything good that they would recommend. This is a fantasy sci-fi podcast, but I know my listeners read across the board. So is there anything that you've enjoyed that you would recommend? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm like in the middle of a couple books right now, if we can. Um, so there's a Crier's War, which is a queer fantasy with a girl-girl um, uh, romance. Um, and I'm also starting Cemetery Boys, and uh, which has a trans Latinx uh, narrator. Um, awesome. And it's what happens when he like accidentally um, summons like the wrong ghost. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm in the middle of those right now and uh, really enjoying it. But I also highly recommend uh, the Skybound Saga by Alex London, which uh, is a trilogy and begins with Black Wings beating. It is uh, it's it's interesting. It's um, uh, another twin story uh, with Kylie and Bryson. Um, so a girl and a boy and uh, Bryson is gay and uh, and it also deals with falconry. So Alex and I are both writing these series that have like twins with like a Bird queer stuff. Yeah. Words and but they're very very different like mine's is urban fantasy and you could say alex's is more um uh, like game of thronesy and like i think it would make an excellent like, like an epic style fantasy game of thrones show yeah um i so actually have a friend who is a big fantasy reader and is currently a falconer and i almost was like did you read it yet rebecca like did you need yeah. to tell me <laughs> um but no i've heard nothing but amazing things about that series so i think i need to bump it up my list so yeah let me know i, I will i'll be like dude it was whatever you know whatever it is yeah i'm sure i'm sure it'll be good anything with birds and it makes me happy honestly so yeah. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say but that's welcome to my life <laughs> so i'm glad you gave my phoenixes a chance oh yeah no i was like i would legit be if this was a world currently that had phoenixes in it i would legit be a meal and working at a museum that had a phoenix wing and knew all the phoenix species and was the nerd who like could tell you the differences in their like deaths and their colors and i would legit be that girl like that would absolutely be me 100 percent. so i was like i feel this dude <laughs> oh that was another thing i did i was like it was another thing i wanted to tell you there's a scene in the book about halfway through where um it's like a, a cage match between a phoenix and a hydra and yeah. and they're like you describe them fighting and how they're both terrified but they know they have to face each other i was like Oh, that's so awful like i was like that's so cruel these poor animals like i legit again yelled at the book they're not like hungry for each other. They're just like they are sort of, you know, described to be like natural sworn enemies or whatever. But they're still like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to die, but I don't want to fight you, but I don't want to die. Yeah, but I was just like, oh, these poor characters, these poor, these poor animals, like legit, like they're yeah. like my neighbor's cat or something. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, so you got me there. I was just like, oh, I'm so weird. <laughs> like like feeling empathy for these He's this poor phoenix who doesn't want to fight this hydra. And I don't, you know, whatever. But anyways, I just thought you would enjoy that. Um, all right, Adam, thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, this was such a delight to kind of dig into Infinity Sun and just hear, I don't know, a little bit about what this book journey has been like for you because it's been such a long one and it's also been so new and at the same time. So just, um, you know, hearing how it's been different from your other stories and where you're going with it, it's been really fun. 
Thank you so much. I super, super appreciate it. Like it's been, I love talking about this world. So thank you for giving me the space to do so. And for being like my first fantasy podcast. Like this Yay! is so exciting. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, thanks for listening guys. And you know, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please check out our Patreon and uh, stay tuned in two weeks. We will have a new episode coming to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.